Samuel, 2 Samuel, chapter 15. And we're going to use a lot of Bible. One thing about when I'm preaching, I always use a ton of Bible. Um, I figure I can't say anything wrong if I use the Bible, amen? And, uh, and so the easiest way is to stick with that. 2 Samuel, chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 13 through 17. We're going to jump around a bit, and then we're going to turn our attention to the book of Psalms. 2 Samuel, chapter, uh, excuse me, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 13 says, And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, and let us flee, for we shall not else escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly." And bring evil upon us, and smite the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. And the king went forth, and all his household after him. And the king left ten women, which were concubines, to keep the house. And the king went forth, and all the people after him, and tarried in a place that was far off. Stick with me, if you would, down to verse number 23. It says, And all the country wept with a loud voice, and all the people passed over. The king also himself passed over the brook Kedron, and all the people passed over toward the way of the wilderness. Then look also with me to verse number 30. It says, And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet, and wept as he went up, and his head covered, and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head, and they went up weeping as they went up. Lord, there is no doubt, and I'm not giving you anything new, and, and maybe this is even a touch late. There's no doubt that we are in a difficult time in our country. We are. Um, we have the virus. We have political unrest. And, uh, I mean, we come down here and we got some Saharan des- desert thing going on. And, and, uh, um, and I'm not making light of anybody's trials. People have, you know, have lost their jobs, have lost their source of income. And, and all these things, we are in a dark time. I was studying out this, this over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and I was really brought to this particular portion of Scripture. And as I was reading it, I just happened to think, I, I, I love the book of Psalms. And I hope you do too. I love the book of Psalms. And I was thinking about King David. And if everybody was here this, this evening, and I asked you to raise your hand if David was your favorite Bible character outside of Jesus, most people would raise their hand. I was thinking, all the Psalms that he wrote, he wrote over 70 of the Psalms. And about a third of those were written during this time. During this time. You see, we get to this portion of Scripture, and David has been the king, been serving the Lord. Most of his children are grown. Absalom rises up to take the throne. David, we find here, fleeing the kingdom. It was a difficult time. More than likely, the most difficult time in his life. If David had a reflection on his life at the end, he would possibly say, this is the darkest time I've had. We see that that David was no stranger to difficult times. He wasn't. Sometimes we think about David and we say, man, I want to be like David. And we look at Scripture and say, I want to be that. I want to be that person that God calls a man after his own heart. That's what I want. And we get excited about that. And you should get excited about that. As you read through Scripture and say, this is what God says about somebody. I say this all the time in my church. We worry too much about what other people say about us instead of about what God says about us. 
And, and we can be like Abraham as God called him a friend. We can be like David as God called him a man after his own heart. But we see that and we say, that's what I want. But most of the time we're not willing to put in the work to get to that. We're not willing to put in the effort to, to, to get to where God sees us as a man after his own heart. Our flesh gets in the way. And we do these things. And, and we look at the life of David, and I know what we think. We think, as a young man, and I've been in church my entire life. I, I mean, my entire life. I, I, I've been blessed. I have great godly Christian parents, and, and uh, um, I've always been in church, and, and, uh, um, and, I, and I praise the Lord. It doesn't make me any better than anybody else. And, and, but you, you see these Bible characters, and as a young man, you, you, you flip through Scripture, and you see guys like David. And you get there, and like, man, I want to be like David. Talking to the brother Matthews and his boys, and they're talking about killing a bear. And I love to hunt. And I said, well, did you do it the biblical way? Did, did you do it like David? Did you do that as a young man? David kills him with his bare hands. Did you do that? And, of course, they didn't, which, you know, that's unbiblical, I'm just saying. And, uh, um, but you say, I want to be like David. And then he obviously takes off the bear's hands and go kills the lion with the bare hands. I think that's what the Bible says. And, and uh, come on, that was funny. We'll all laugh. I know you're not laughing at home. You laugh at home, all right? And, uh, and so, but we say, man, I want to be like David. And we think about all his victories, but we forget the trials. We forget how David went through the trials. And there's some of that, 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 that we forget even in the midst of remembering some of the trials. We forget that as a young boy, his brothers despised him at times. They did. Saul, he was living in Saul's court. David was a close friend to Saul, not just Jonathan. He was playing for Saul. Saul was his mentor. And yet Saul then seeks to kill him, and David has to run. And he's in exile forever. I mean, he was no stranger to dark times. But yet here's this person that wrote the majority of these psalms praising the Lord, living for the Lord. These, song, these psalms that bring us great encouragement. And I believe he found them in these dark times. Even leading up to this particular passage of scripture, we find it in just a few chapters over in, in, in chapter 13 and verse number 21 that says, But when the king David heard of all these things, he was very wroth, and those things were his son who, who defiled his own daughter, David's daughter. Find just a couple chapters later, a couple years later, Absalom is then mad at Amnon, kills Amnon, Absalom has to flee. Verse number 37 of that same chapter says, And David mourned daily. Mourned his son every day. Every day. Think about that. But yet through this, Psalm 63 happened. If you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you do at home, take them over and turn them to Psalm 63. Psalm 63 says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on, excuse me, on thee in the night watches. 
Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory. But the mouth of them that speaketh lies shall be stopped. This doesn't sound like a psalm written in a, good, in, in a bad time. It sounds like a psalm written uh, in the best of times. In prosperity. In good health. And tonight, as we go through these difficult times, I want to bring a message tonight. And I hope to be fast. Every time I say that, I'm always terribly long. But I hope to be fast. And uh, give you a message tonight on the songs of our difficulties. The song of our difficulties. Let's pray. Lord, I want to be a help to this church. Lord, I can only do that through your word. Lord, I'm no great preacher. Sometimes I'm in awe of why you even chose me for this task. Lord, I know that what you've given me tonight has helped me. And through your word, I hope to help someone in this great church. Help me only to say what you would have me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The song of our difficulties. Tonight, I, I, I think we can have some fun. I, I was telling Brother Brent beforehand, I like to have fun. I like to have fun. And, and I believe, I, truly, that you can have fun while you're preaching. I, I mean, I like to have fun. And so I, I hope to do that. And tonight, as we go through these things, as the song of our difficulties, I plan to stay in the Psalms that, uh, as best as I can find, are only from this time that David wrote during this time as he's away from the kingdom. And, and I, I think maybe, maybe you never noticed it before we, when we look at these psalms and, and you know, we're head, they're headed by uh, these particular things. And obviously this one says when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And some of them say this, some of them don't. And you do some of the research and, and when they were said. And, and we get to this point and once again, you know, we read these psalms and they're uplifting to us. They're encouraging to us. But we need to remember that many of them were written in this dark time. Once again, a lot of us have gone through these dark times. But we have an obligation as Christians and just to be honest, we have an obligation as a church to sing the right type of song during our difficulties. You know, the song many times, and this isn't an actual definition, but this is how I would define it, all right? It's simply sometimes an expression of our heart, an expression of what's in us. You know, uh, when you maybe you hit your thumb with a hammer, uh, the song in your heart ain't a good one. It ain't a good one. And uh, um, I, I say that I tell this story all the time. I, um, we were living in Florida, and I uh, had this boat, and me and my dad and my brother were fishing, and we were on the inner coast. And uh, I had taken this boat out, and uh, it, I, you know, I just got it worked on. I hadn't really had it long, and we were fishing. All of a sudden, one of those normal afternoon lightning storms came up, and uh, I, I don't like lightning at all, and I'm uh, just not a big fan. And we were on the water, and, and so we're, we're rushing. Like, hey, let's, let's get through here. Let's get back to the boat dock. And so we were able. We get my dad on the, on the dock. He's going to go get my pickup and, uh, or his pickup, whichever one we had. And, and he was in the back end. Well, in the meantime, something happened with my gears, and I couldn't go forward no more. And so we're on there, and this lightning storm's coming in, and I'm getting a little nervous, and uh, we're trying to paddle, me and my other brother, with our hand, and that just wasn't working very good. And I thought, you know what? No big deal. I'm just going to jump, and I'm going to pull the boat with a rope as I swim. 
That's a great idea, right? I mean, that's just a great idea. And uh, that was going through my mind. It was almost one of those, hey, y'all, watch this type moments. And, uh, uh, and as I'm jumping off the front of this boat barefooted, my dad is literally saying, no. I landed, and I immediately thought I broke my foot. I didn't. I landed on an oyster bed. My foot was just terribly cut up, and uh, um, the song in my heart wasn't good. We got to the hospital, and, and uh, long story short, we ended up having to go back to the hospital again that evening, and I had to get these terrible shots in the bottom of my foot to numb it. This doctor that was maybe, I mean, she looked like she was 12 years old. She goes, you know, do, do you need me to hold you down while you're doing this? And I was like, you can't hold me down anyways. <laughs> and uh, um, and I, my, I took my dad with me, and I was like, well, I, I'm pretty tough. I'll take it. And I was sitting, sitting upright, and she put that first needle in. And man, it was painful. It was painful. And I was, you know, I was pretty much done with it. And she says, I got to do that five more times. I literally stood up and said, I'll live with the oyster in my foot. I'll live it, or just cut it off. I mean, it can't be any worse than those shots. I flipped over on that bed and grabbed it, and literally, I grunted, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. As she was punching these needles in my foot. You know, that was what was coming out, but that wasn't the song in my heart. It just wasn't. It wasn't. And so tonight, as we go through these scenes, and once again, I hope to have, have some fun, but as well as making sure we're keeping the focus on the Bible. We'll talk through some of these, and, and uh, um, I, once again, just hope to be a help. And as far as these song, songs of our difficulties, I think the first song is the song of desire. The song of desire. Say, what does desire mean? Sometimes we have a, a thought of what desire would mean. Desire simply means to long or hope for. To long or hope for. What is the song of our desire? Or, or could I ask it like this? Simply, what is your appetite for? And I'm not talking about food, and I love food. I mean, I live in the Midwest, and, and people think we have good food. We don't. I, I mean, I'm in a barren land. Pray for me. I love to eat, and uh, I mean, the only time that I look forward to food is if I cook it. I meant to say, the only time I look forward to food is when my wife cooks it. Okay, that's what I meant to say. And... Uh, um, I better move on. And, and, but, but we say, what, what is our appetite for? What do we crave? I sometimes make fun of some of the Nebraskans because we have these potlucks and they make all these salads. And man, I hate salad. I hate it. And they're like, oh, this is so good, Pastor. You know, you got to try this. You got to try that. You got to try that. And I'm like, ugh, ugh. I don't want that. Your appetite's wrong. You need to go down south and get an appetite and then come back up and cook. Amen. Somebody say Amen. Say amen. Thank you. And, uh, um, but what, what is our appetite? What is our desire? What is it that is in our heart? This verse here, here in Psalm chapter 63, verse 1 says, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. What is our appetite for? What is it that we thirst for? What is it that we long for? What is it that we hope for? And, and, and what is it? What, what is that desire that is in our heart? What is that expression of our heart that is going to come back because of this great desire? What is it? 
What is it that we thirst for? We've been studying through the book of Amos in, 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 our, in our Bible study back home, and, and it talks about that famine that's come, but it's not the famine of, of water. It's not the famine of no food. It's that spiritual famine, and I'm afraid that in our churches, and I'm not talking about just in our country, but in our churches, we're seeing a spiritual famine because nobody desires. Nobody desires that which is righteous. Nobody longs for God. Nobody thirsts for righteousness. No, nobody hungers and thirsts after what God has for them because their desire is wrong. What is it that we desire? We should have a wanting desire. I want to do that. Oftentimes, especially for us that grow up in church, we we think, man, I have to do that. But what is it that we want to do? What is it that we want to do? You go on a diet and you feel like, man, I have to eat this. But it's not what you want. It's not what you desire. But what is it that, that I want Psalm 27, verse 4, once again, keeping in mind that all these psalms were written as David was fleeing from Absalom and during this time of Absalom's rebellion. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 42, verse 1 through 4 says, As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been and meet day and night while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me for I had gone with the multitude. I, I went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise with a multitude that kept that holy day. That same multitude here that as they left, remember the Bible says all the people mourned that David wept greatly. In their dark times, and I'm not saying that at times in, in our difficulties, and, and I'm not downplaying anybody's difficulties. I'm not down, downplaying the difficulty of what's going on in our country. I'm not downplaying the difficulty of what may going, be going on in your own life, in your own health, in your own uh, economic situation. I'm not downplaying that. And I'm not saying that you don't get a, a chance to mourn for that. And I'm not saying that you can't cry out unto the Lord, and we'll see that here in just a minute. But what we must do during this time is not so much focus on all the darkness about us, but focus on what is it that I I desire. And in this time, David, as he's fleeing, and the multitude that went with him says, I desire God every day, early, noon, night, every moment. I desire God. I have a wanting desire to meet my God. I have a wanting desire to get in his word. I have a wanting desire to do anything it is that he asked me to do. I want to speak to God. Not that I have to speak to God. Not that it, it, it takes up my daily time that I have to read the Bible. Not that I have to pray. Not that I have to do these things. But I want to do it. I want to. And we get to this point point, say, I want to do it. I want to do this for the Lord. I think very simply we got to pray, Lord, please make my desire what yours is. We so times often misconstrue that verse that, that God will give us the desires of our heart. But I think even more than that is we need to pray, Lord, give me the right desire. Give me a wanting desire. We must be careful for a weak desire. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait on the Lord. Be of your courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, we see sometimes a lot of weak desire. If you coach sports, sometimes you can easily spot out a weak desire. Why it's put forth in their effort. 
A person that has a wanting desire when you blow the whistle on the basketball court. And by the way, what Brother Brent meant to do when he introduced me was I was the best basketball player he has ever coached in his entire life. Amen. And, uh, um, but but we, we see that person that has a weak desire. And, and the person that has a wanting desire, when, when the coach blows the whistle, he is ready. He wants to do it. He's eager to do it. But the person that has a weak desire, he says, oh man, do I have to do it. Oh, man, do I have to get on the line? Do I have to do these suicides? Do, do I have to run these sprints? Do we have to have a basketball game tonight? Ugh. And what happens? Most of the time, that person never plays. And when they do, they're a detriment to the team. I sometimes wonder, Lord... Don't let me be a detriment to the team. Lord, don't let me be a detriment to the ministry. Be careful. You say, how can I get a stronger desire? Here, David puts it out. Wait on the Lord, be of your church, and he shall strengthen thine heart. That, that desire, that passion that comes from the heart. Lord, strengthen my heart. I think also we need to be careful of a waning desire. Psalm 71, verse 17 and 18 says, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and here too have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to every one that is to come. I think in this part of, as Jeremiah said, of Jumanji, we need to be careful of that waning desire. You know, I'm sure when everybody came back to church for that first Sunday, man, people were lined up outside. They come in, big smiles on their faces. Man, I am so glad to be in the house of the Lord. I've missed it so much. And I'm not just talking about in this church. It happened in every church. Man, I, I have missed singing the songs. And man, what, what great music today. I've missed seeing them with our, with, with our church corporately. I've missed doing that. Man, that, I, I, I come in and, and you can actually see Brother Jeremiah as he's preaching. And you're into the message and God is speaking to you in this room. And you say, man, that is so wonderful. I think in this time period, you need to be careful of that waning desire. You know, it, I think for many of us during this time, it's been a, a, almost a look back in our Christian life to the time where right after we got saved and we were excited about it. And we had that desire to do things. But then as we get older, and as we get older spiritually, I mean, or more mature, and that waning desire, that thing that just, eh, okay, Brother Andrews mentioned it this morning in regards to people talking about when he got married. Oh, all these old, crusty couples. <laughs> and, you know, I always hated it to hear to get married. And after a couple of years, oh, you're still in your honeymoon phase. After four years, oh, you're still in the honeymoon phase. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> you know, I, and just to be honest, I, I think that's what dissolves a lot of marriages. It's that waning desire to love your spouse, to do those things for your spouse. In regards to serving the Lord, 
Here David says, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and here too have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, he says, from my youth to the time I'm gray-headed. He didn't say I've been perfect because he knew he had it. But he says, help me to teach this next generation. Help me to show them. Show thy strength and thy power to everyone that is to come. The song of desire. Also, I think another important song is the song of our devotion. The song of our devotion. Devotion simply means dedicating something to a cause. State of being ardently dedicated or loyal. You know, if I stood up here and said, we need to be devoted to the Lord, everybody say amen. But that song of devotion, that expression of devotion... Psalm 27, 8 says, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. I'm going to seek it. I'm devoted to it. It's that cause to which the Lord put me here. Whether it's here preaching the gospel or serving in whatever manner God has called you to, I'm going to be devoted to that cause. I'm going to be loyal to that cause. In this, in our devotion, I think first we examine our duty. Our duty. What is it that, are, that is our obligation to the Lord? What is our conduct to him that he has asked us to do? Psalm 27, 3 says, Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Meaning we're confident in what God has called us to do. And in a time of darkness, God hasn't called us to, to talk poorly about our duty. God hasn't called us to, to think poorly about our duty. Simply we're called in this dark time. I sometimes get frustrated with people that say, well, man, we're just in the most sinful time period ever. And I get we're in a sinful time period. But I read scripture and there's some pretty sinful time periods. And if all some of these people did, if all Paul and, and uh, my wife and I were uh, blessed to be able to go uh, to Rome last year, and we were in that prison that Paul wrote, wrote many of the epistles. And man, that was inspiring to think, and it, by the way, it was a dark prison. Some would say it was a difficult prison. But through this, he understood his duty to the Lord. He was willing to continue in his duty. Says, I know the host is encamping against me. He says, my heart shall not fear. The war rise against me, and this will I be confident. This psalm of confidence in our duty. Also discipline, the obedience, self-control. Psalm 55, 16 through 17 says, As for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. And the discipline, the, the song of our devotion. I mean, our discipline shows how devoted we are. See if, I hate to use sports analogies over and over again. But when it talks about somebody that is devoted to their craft, they're disciplined. You know, I am not a Tom Brady lover. In fact, I hate him. Sorry. <laughs> but there's no doubt he is disciplined in his craft. I like to play golf, and I like to watch golf. And sometimes those guys make shots, and you're just like, how? How? It's because they're disciplined. They would say, and there's that, that evening, morning, and noon. They're practicing at it. It's what they want to do. 
It's their discipline and their song of devotion. Also in their discipleship. David numerous times. I mean, it'd take almost the rest of our time if I read all the verses that David talks about waiting or serving the Lord throughout these psalms. And there are so many of them. David didn't go and hide while he was away from Absalom. He was hiding from Absalom, but he wasn't hiding himself from the Lord. And that's what we do sometimes, especially in this time where, where many of us are away from church tonight here. Most of you are away from the house of the Lord. And some people will go and hide, not just from the pandemic, not just from the darkness around us, not just from the difficult times, but they will also hide their face from the Lord during these times. But David says, no, I'm going to follow after thee even in these times. The song of their devotion also, and I think this is important, I know he's been preaching on him on Wednesday night, the song of our dialogue. The song of our dialogue. You know, I've always hated that phrase. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I hate that phrase. I hate it. I'm a tender-hearted guy. I hate it. I'd rather you hit me with a stick than talk bad about me. Nobody hit me with a stick, all right? And uh, I'd much rather. Why? Because our words matter. Our words matter. It matters what is coming out of our mouth. And I believe David understood this uh, very much so. And, and by the way, in studying these things, you know, more, David writes more about his devotion to the Lord than any other particular topic during these Psalms. But in this, it leads to a good dialogue and prayer. Psalms 5, 1 through 3 says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. My King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Psalm 28, 2 says, Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry unto, unto thee, when I lift up my hands towards the holy oracle. Over and over and over again, during this time as he is fleeing from Absalom, as he's away from the kingdom, he says, I lift up my voice. I cry to my God. In times of difficulties, make sure we have the song of prayer. Of prayer. But not just of prayer. I think it's important that we have the song of power. Psalm 2, 7 says, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Psalm 40, verse 9 and 10 says, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained from my lips. O Lord, thou knowest, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Psalm, 20, or Psalm 71 verse 15 says, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. You know, I kind of quickly went through prayer. Because I think most of us as Christians, we speak about prayer, and my hope is that many of us actually pray. But in talking about it, and we talk to others, and we use those things that, hey, we're praying during this time, we're praying for our, our, our pastor during this time, and we're praying for our church during this time, we're praying for those in our church that may be more susceptible to falling out during this time, we're praying for these things in our dark times, and we're praying that the Lord would bring us through these dark times. I think we're pretty good at that. But in these dark times, in these difficult times, that, that song of our dialogue of power, of power, 
You know, as a guy, I like to talk about power. I've, I've said before, and, and uh, people that I talk to or work talk about athletics and talk about working out or dieting. I have a little brother that's all he does is, is work out and do all those things and uh, power and how much he can lift and, and doing that. And I really have no need for that. I don't. I want to do two things, and I'm pretty good at both of them. I want to run fast, and I want to hit the golf ball far. That's it. I mean, that's, that's, that's simply my desire, brother. I mean, that's, I don't have much. And uh, in regards to, to physical feats, say, man, talk about power. And how often is our mouth full talking about the power of God? How often is our mouth full sharing the power of God? How often is our mouth full saying, you know what God did for me? You know what strength God, God showed me? You know how much strength God gave me to get through this particular time? You know how good God has been to me? Let me tell you about God's power. We serve a powerful God. We need to remind the world that we serve a powerful God. Our mouth should be full of power. I, I, I mean, how is it? I have four beautiful little girls, and, and they brag on me constantly, way more than I actually deserve. And they say, and they say things like, man, daddy, you are so strong. And they'll tell people that. Man, my daddy is so strong. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. And, uh, but you know what? That makes me feel good, too. And whether it's true or not, they go, well, their daddy must be strong. And then they actually look at me like, yeah, maybe I have my doubts. But in this, how often do we say, my daddy is so strong? My father is so strong. He, and, I mean, how many times? I will declare the decree. The Lord has said unto me, thou art my son this day. Have I uh, begotten thee? Uh, keep going. I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lord, I have, have, I have not refrained from my lips. O Lord, thou knowest I have not hidden my righteousness in my heart. I have declared the faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. He says, I, I'm not trying to conceal it. I'm not trying to hide your power. I can't do it anyways. In David's life, he had seen it over and over again. He had seen it when he killed the, the, the bear. He had seen it when he killed the lion. He had seen it when he killed Goliath. He had seen it when he killed Goliath's sons. He had seen it when he defeated the Philistines. He had seen it when he defeated the Syrians. He had seen it over and over and over again. But he didn't just see it in those great times of victory. He saw it even in the difficult times. He saw it in the time, even in the midst of his grief, even in the midst of him running from Absalom. He saw it in that time, says, I see your power even today. I see your power even through this time that I don't personally want to go through. I see the power. I'm not going to hide it in my lips. I'm going to proclaim it. Power. How often do we sing the song of power? I saw Brother John sing that song Wednesday night. Y'all were talking about it at lunch. Power. It's important in our spiritual life. You look for a preacher, or, you look, or, or maybe you were looking for a church, and you came here, and you came here because the preacher was a powerful preacher of God. Power. We proclaim it. It ought to come through our lips. Not just that, but also praise. Psalm 71, 8 says, I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. Verse 14 of the same chapter says, But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. Psalm five eleven, and listen. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy, because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. 
How often in our prayers do we end our prayers, Lord, we love you. Lord, I love you. You know, if you love someone, you praise them. If you love a particular sports team, by the way, I appreciate the Seminole socks from Brother Jeremiah. Man, we love them, so we talk about them. Hopefully we praise them. Most of the time we don't. It happens. And and, uh, only one team can win it. But we are, how often is our mouth full of praise? You know, our, in, the, in the difficult times, our mouth is full of prayer, I believe. I do. I believe that. But David didn't forget that even in that difficult time, he was still God's friend. I know that said about Abraham. But even through this difficult time, David was, was praising him that he still could meet with his God. He still had enough to say, you know what, Lord? Thank you for what you're doing for me. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. You know, you move away to a place like Nebraska, and uh, you get up there, and it's different than everything you know, and you look around. And for me, I look at my family, look at my wife and my girls. I'm like, man, God, you've been good to me. We have people come, and and uh, we have a small church, and, and I was telling this story yesterday, and, and uh, we have a girl with special needs that come to our church, and uh, sometimes she's difficult. She is. We, we, we pick her up. We go, we drive over before we get to church, and my wife and I, and we pick her up, and sometimes she's difficult in the, in the midst of her particular trial. It was my birthday last, last weekend, and uh, she got in the car. I normally drop off the girls first, and they get the coffee going and such, and I take Rebecca with me, and we go pick her up. We get there, and, and uh, you know, just not sure which mood. She jumps into the Suburban. She hands me a letter. says, Pastor, this is for you. I'm like, great, thanks. I really appreciate it. says, happy birthday. I didn't open it. She asked me about 3,000 times in the midst of church if I had read it, and I hadn't. Got back in the Suburban, and uh, I opened it. <laughs> this wonderful picture that she had taken the time to draw. And it wasn't something that Mozart would be pleased with. <laughs> I was just reminded, God, you're good. You're good. Even when we're dealing with difficult people. Had a note up there, you're the best pastor ever. And man, I'm I'm terrible. Man, it touched me and I realized, man. And sometimes we hit our face and we say, Lord, why are you so good to me? I don't deserve it. In our difficult times, I think many times we don't say that prayer. And we think, Lord, I don't deserve the difficult times. We all go through them. And our mouth should be full of praise. And then lastly, not just our song of desire, devotion, and dialogue, but our song of delight. Our song of delight. Simply mean, meaning a high degree of gratification. What is it that we delight in? What is it that makes you happy? 
here we're going to go down to Gulfport, and this week's seafood is going to make me happy. It's going to make me really happy, I think. And we do things, and our children perform things, and we think, man, that makes me happy. Becky does horseback riding lessons, I was telling the other day, and, and uh, she gets up there and she does her things through the obstacle courses and such. First time she ever did it, and I saw I was like, man, how cool is that? Man, I was delightful. What is our song of delight? Think first, we delight in service. Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will. Oh my God. Yea, the law is within my heart. I delight to do thy will. I delight to serve. I know that kind of goes back to that wanting desire, but that it also brings us great joy. And by the way, when you truly serve the Lord, you will be brought great joy. Yes, sometimes it'll be through difficulties, but joy will come. I know I'm out of time, I'm hurrying. But not just delighting in our service. This is probably my favorite. Delighting in our shout. Man, I love to shout. I love to shout. It's one of my favorite things I do. God gave me a voice. I want to use it. When we first got married, we had a couple boxer dogs. And uh, I'm telling you, as soon as college football would come on, and you could hear that, oh, I wanted to do that at least once. And, uh, um, and as soon as that would come on, our dogs would literally, before we had children, they would go crawl over by my wife and almost tremble in fear. They would. They would know. Why? Because my voice was about to get louder. It was. The Bible tells us, in Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiced. And with my song, I will praise him. By the way, if your heart greatly rejoiced, it's not, woohoo. I'm sorry, that's not a, a proper expression of gratitude. That's not a proper expression of your excitement. You know, something happens and the Lord is good to you. You stand up and say, woo, God's good. Somebody gets saved. Good for them. Bless their little heart. You know, we need more shouting. Say, well, it might scare off a visitor. They'll think we're crazy. Hey, we're all crazy, man. We are. Don't be afraid to admit it. Say, shouting might get me in trouble. I know that the girls are thinking, the girls are thinking, Daddy, you're always telling us to be quiet. And you're giving us free reign from the pulpit to be loud. That's okay, we're going to Brother Brent's house afterwards anyways. And, and, uh, um, but no, our shout. I mean, our song to praise him. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, And he that put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. Think about that. They see your excitement, and they want some of it. I know I'm using a lot of sports analogies tonight. You know, I, I've, I've had several people that, that I've met that didn't love anything as far as sports. And simply through excitement, they began to like the teams that I like. I'm like, hey, that's discipleship 101. My girls like it because, hey, daddy gets excited about it. 
He shouts about it. We do those things. We need to praise God and shout. Then in closing, delight to salvation. You know, if anything, the Bible says, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. You know, it should be delight to lead somebody to the Lord. This evening, if you're watching and you don't know the Lord, I can't tell you a more delightful day you will have than the day you put your faith and trust in God. Salvation brings greater joy than anything else. Than anything else. We need to be careful what our song is in our difficult times. Through difficult times, wonderful things can be brought out. This week is obviously Independence Day. And I love the Revolutionary War. And you think about the miracle that it was. I was reading this at this, this particular article about George Washington. And it says, The greatness of Washington lies in his character and in his capacity to learn. At the time, he wasn't regarded as any sort of great tactician. In fact, he had m- many failures. But through the failures, through the dark times of these, he learned. These were the two areas that led to the preservation of the Continental Army. The American cause and ultimately led to our country's independence. One historian called the American Revolution almost a miracle, saying that the war came much closer to ending, short of a great American victory than many now realize. Washington himself had risked everything he had for the cause. Through it all, he showed unrelenting courage and preservation, never losing sight, and this is what he said, of the goodness of our cause, saying that he truly believed difficulties were not insurmountable, saying preservation and spirit have done wonders in all ages. This particular attitude inspired his troops to be loyal, yes, to him, but also to the cause. They saw that flag said that's the cause the liberty to which brother jeremiah mentioned this morning and it was their song of their heart what's the song of our heart what's the song of our difficulties we all have difficulties every single one of us no one is exempt we're all going through difficult times this time has been a difficult more difficult time for some But through it, let's sing the right type of song. You can very easily sing the wrong type. But let's sing the right type of song. Every head bowed, every eye closed.